It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine Country with uh, Dan Berger, and this week the great Tom Simino is back. It's brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guest today is Adam Lee, the winemaker at Clarice. He was uh, uh, formerly of Saduri, which was, I guess, the last time we saw you. It is indeed. Thank you for having me in. Mm. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, Adam, uh, let's first talk about Saduri, uh, a very iconic uh, name in our area. Yes. Mm. Uh, give us some of the Saduri history, and then we'll talk about uh, your new uh, uh, project, which is Clarice. Sure. So it makes uh, tons of sense that we're talking on Bastille Day. I was a French history major in college. I studied the comparative history of the French and American prison systems at a small university in San Antonio, Texas. And shockingly enough, that did not lead to a job after college. Uh, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I got a job working in a wine retail store. And I worked wine retail. I worked uh, restaurants. And I uh, carried a bag. I worked wholesale for a while. Eventually moved out to California. Loved it out here. And decided to try making a little bit of wine that very first year. 107 cases. Started with $24,000. And began the, and actually, I got drunk one night and took a sample to Robert Parker over at Meadowood, and uh, actually made one of the best drunk decisions of my life. I've made a lot of drunk decisions, but many of them have not paid off. Who hasn't? <laughs> yes, exactly. Raise your hands, yes. people. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And somehow, I managed to start a winery called Saduri out of that, and it grew to the point that about six years ago, I it was about 35,000 cases, and I sold it to Jackson Family Winery. And I still work there. I still am involved with them. I still consult. I was tasting uh, today Russian River Pinots, different blends. Uh, and uh, Barbara and the folks at Jackson have been fantastic, and I involved myself in that. But uh, a few years later, I decided to start doing a small amount of my own thing again. Thus, Clarice. Thus, Clarice. Thus, I was not smart enough to say I'm retired and I should be done and just be over with. And thus, Clarice. Yes. And the name comes from? Uh, not from Silence of the Lambs. There's no fava beans in Chianti or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, it was my grandmother. And my grandmother um, taught me, she was born in 1896 in a small town called Giddings, Texas. And she used to cook uh, for my grandfather, a dairy farmer, in a crock pot. And she used to say, if you put the meat, the potatoes, the carrots, the, the broth, the seasonings all together and cooked them for eight hours, he could show up a little earlier, it could show up a little later, it would all meld together. Uh, but if you added something later, it would stand out more. And I have decided with these uh, vineyards that I deal with, two different vineyards, the Gary's Vineyard and the Rosella's Vineyards, very iconic vineyards in the San Lucia Highlands, to um, go and pick disparate sections, one that ripens earlier, one that ripens later, sample them together, pick them together, basically make a purposeful field blend. Dan, you know, I mean, you've tasted a lot of great field blends from a lot of people over the years. I'm making a field blend with Pinot, which doesn't happen as much. It happens with Syrah or Grenache or Zen or those types of things. Uh, make a field blend of Pinot and hopefully get more complex wine by blending those together. I've, I've advocated for this for many, many years, and the only problem is that it's logistically tricky. It is. 
You are correct. It is very challenging, very difficult to do. And the only reason I went to the San Lucia Highlands to do it is because I'm very close friends with the Francione's Pizzoni families. Uh, I performed Jeff Pizzoni's wedding. That's how close I am. And when Adam Francione turned 21, I was one of the chaperones at his bachelor party or his 21st birthday in uh, Las Vegas. So, um, which was kind of a still not exactly the easiest party. It wasn't the cleanest part. We still had fun, though, in Las Vegas, I guess. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. You had fun in Las Vegas? Shockingly Shocking. enough. Wow. But no child was arrested at that point in time, which is a good deal. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, that goes on the label, right? No child arrested. No that's child it. That's arrested. it. Exactly. That is, that's my calling card. So, All right. Okay. Yeah. M-O-R-E-T with the accent over the E. Oh. It's French. But I'm not. I'm Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> of course. From of Las Vegas. <laughs> Adam, talk a little more about Bastille Day and what it means to the French and what the hell it's all about. You know, uh, Bastille Day was the day that uh, led to... Uh, really the overthrow of the old guard honestly it didn't it was not that much uh, you looked there were four or five prisoners that were still left in the Bastille an old prison that's all that got freed uh, not much in the grand scheme of, of history and in major things that happened you could look at it and say that didn't happen but the symbolism the thing that happened when um, uh, King Louis at the time went to his advisors and said what happened is this a revolt and his advisor said no this is not a revolt this is a revolution that was the thing that made the difference. And you're right, it was really a symbolic uh, act, uh, although there was supposedly a lot of people around there, but uh, they Oh, a lot of people went in and got, yes, you're right, they went and got it, but the prisoners, the people they released, and honestly, a lot of people in there probably should have been, (laughs) you know, these (laughs) these were not necessarily the greatest people, but yes, it was a thing that when he said, is this just a revolt and they were like no this is a change this is a big change and that was the beginning of the end of the monarchy mm-hmm. and it's also uh, the most underwhelming uh monument you can go visit in paris really there's, there's nothing there yeah <laughs> and the other thing that now wait a minute there's got to be something there they have a big bastille day celebration there's, there's nothing there there's, there's nothing. a plaque right yeah, there's, there's a, a plaque, plaque. <laughs> And the other thing about it that's very interesting is that the primogeniture laws of France changed radically right after 1789. And the interesting thing about that was that it changed so much of one district and not another. It changed all of Burgundy. It changed virtually nothing in Bordeaux. Only radio show today that is saying primogenitor laws. I think. <laughs> I mean, that is impressive, it's, Dan. It's Thank the, you for pulling that. It's the New Drive World History segment. <laughs> yes, really yes, we Brought are. to you by the Bottle Bar. Yes. Right? Of God, wine, and men. Well, I'm totally confused, so <laughs> I, I think we're on to something. Have some Chardonnay. <laughs> Dr- yes, drink a little more, Steve. We, yeah. look, we got a 2011 Chardonnay here? Yeah, I just brought this This is a Dan Cellar offering today. Uh, this is a Swiftwater Cellars Zephyr Ridge Chardonnay from Horse Heaven Hills 2011. Um, been aging it all these years because it was made by an old friend of mine by the name of Linda Trotta, who is now the winemaker for Jameson Ridge over in Napa. 
and she's a very, very talented winemaker, and she loves acidity. And this is the wine that, when I first tasted this wine, I said, "Boy, this will go ten years." And she said, "Well, here's another bottle. <laughs> here's your ten, your chance." So we held it for ten years, and here it is. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's tasty wine. So, Dan, I think if you lay it down for two or three more years, it'll be good by then, with the cork out of it. <laughs> Uh, I would never guess this to be 10 years old. Not even close. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, just look at the color, number one. Yeah. I mean, it held up. Usually, you, you a wine that, a Chardonnay that's this old is going to be at least amber, you know, and it, it's it's golden. It looks like the acidity, I think, that's, uh, that's kept it alive. That's it. Yeah. I, I do think, I mean, I think that crispness, I actually think we don't spend enough time talking about white wine aging and what can happen positively with some time with white wines. We yeah. we think they're going to be all immediate, and I think there's some really positive things that can happen. What often happens is that white wines get past a certain point, maybe two years, and they get closed out. And the people who are in the know get bargains because the wines have actually taken on a different character and they're interesting. See, I don't like it that much. Well, it needs food. And there's no, I didn't bring any cheese today. So. Mm. What the hell's wrong with you? Hey, Bastille Day and you <laughs> ran no cheese? Come on. You had, one, had one job, Dan. One job. Yes. I, brought, I brought the wine. <laughs> what can I say? Hey, this is a Semino Chardonnay we're looking at now. Yeah, we've got, the, we've got my newest release, my uh, Brenda Lee, named after my gorgeous wife. Brenda one of Lee. my favorite Chardonnays in the world. Right. Every, every year, uh, the Semino Brenda Lee Chard. And, uh, this is this is the 2019. Wow! So it's our newest one. It's 100 percent Chardonnay, wild yeast fermented, um, all all from the Brenda Lee Vineyard, and it's uh, nine different clones down there. Got one block that was planted in '72, so it's it's got a lot of complexities right from the fruit, and uh, only 25 percent ML because it's Alexander Valley warm region. We don't need to to soften the acidity. Uh, and the natural fruit is right there. Oh man, it's sweet right up front. So, so planted when Nixon won, right? Is that yeah. what you? Seventy-two, uh, I guess. Yeah, is that when he won? Is that I when didn't he won? know if yeah. there was a correlation there. Mm. Alex Viborny, actually. Yeah, there is history, right? <laughs> Alex is a good man. Alex Viborny planted that, and it's on AXR one, so it never fell to phylloxera. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, and uh, AXR one. The rootstock, you know. Is that a new Marvel movie? (laughs) (laughs) Loki Loki is in that. No, they're going to be in on Friday. Little tangerine in there. This, I'm just, I'm just getting to know this wine. It's, and it's it's really coming around. All the Brenda Lees are. Uh, Dan, how many eons are you going to lay this down? This has got great acidity, so it'll go a few years. But I would say that for maximum enjoyment, three or four max, because once you get past that, you really have to have a very cold cellar. And most people don't have 55 degrees, you know, locations to put these wines. And this wine will be uh, accessible in three to four. So why wait? Why wait after that? After that, you're not going to pick up an awful lot. I say why wait? One's uh, ready to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tom, is this now this uh, is available? available? Yep, yes. Simino Vineyards. Get, uh, click on Simino Vineyards. It'll tell you how to get a hold of me. We don't sell on online, but uh, it tells you how to call me, my phone number, and uh, we sell direct. Everything sells direct. Thirty bucks a bottle, and we made uh, what did I make? One hundred and ten cases. I, I like love it. you, Brenda, and I love your wine. Who made it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. I did a good job. <laughs> That's really good, Tommy. Well, thank you. And Adam, thoughts? 
Uh, I think it's fantastic. You know, I make really crappy white wines. Quite frankly, I find it, well, Chardonnay. Yes, you're right, uh, Murray. I find white wine to be more like baking, very exact, and red wine to be more like cooking. And when you make red wine, you can say it's about this much, it needs a little bit of this. It's about that much, it needs a little bit of that. White wine, you know how with baking you tap down the cup you like straighten off the cup you, it's got to be one cup exactly of this white wine making is more challenging I think than red wine I making. agree so I, I agree. think that's a fantastic fantastic Chardonnay so thanks oh, thank Tom, you man. alrighty yeah. Woo. there you go uh, I'm leaving I'm done <laughs> so, so this uh, 18 Rosellas Pinot Noir that you're yes yeah, so this is my Clarice 18 Rosellas Pinot um, and it comes from this vineyard down in the San Lucia Highlands. That's in Monterey County. It's a 17-mile uh, long, one-mile wide strip of land. It goes from Chualar to Soledad, which basically in the hills between uh, the Salinas Valley and the Big Sur Carmel area. It's not a well-known area. I mean, it's uh, there's no place to stay. There's no fancy anything, but it's great farming land, and uh, it is truly, truly a fantastic place to grow grow grapes. This is planted at two different clones. It's about 80% whole cluster, Dan, so very, it's a long, cool growing season. I made no additions to this. There was no yeast added, no malolactic bacteria, no enzymes, no, it, it just stood on its natural acidity. It's about 14.1 naturally, alcohol-wise, and it's a really interesting place, fantastic place, I think, but complex place to grow grapes, too. And you can smell the place. <clears throat> what you're smelling here, to me, is it's got a little bit of that empty nutmeg jar character. Wow, Jeez. that's a good. You should write that. You should write a. You should write a column or something. Yeah, yeah that's I'm good. Put that in there. Empty like nutmeg jar. jar. They're playing Saturday night at, uh, <laughs> at Hot Monk. No, it's like. What Don't does that you get mean? Well, imagine, imagine a spice jar that once held nutmeg and now is empty, but instead of... Pull your mic up, uh, yeah, kids and cheese. Uh, no, imagine, yeah. just imagine having uh, a character that comes from nutmeg but was, was once there but no longer is, but left an aromatic note. That's all it is. It's just a little teeny bit of aromatic note. And the reason I like that is that it gives a, a, a kind of an, a, a lilting... Him impression of the central coast of the northern central coast this is an, if this character were stronger it would be Monterey County vegetative and it's not, it, what it is is Pinot Noir in its definitive form wow, I can almost see that empty jar you know when I, sn- <laughs> when I sniff it <laughs> alright uh, I get more of a one third full nutmeg jar <laughs> <than> <laughs> Graded or whole? <laughs> where, where are you? This is the one, Adam, that you co-fermented, correct? For the uh, no. So this is entirely Pinot, but what it is is the two different sections. You're right. right. Yeah. So it's those two sections fermented together. Right. It's so entirely picks, Pinot. Picked separately, but fermented. Picked separately and mixed together. And and the whole idea here truly is to 
these vines have gotten older. They were first crop was uh, they were planted in '99. First crop was 2001. They have been around for over 20 years now, and I think you can at that point in time blend together. Years ago, Tom Rocchioli told me with younger vines you take it riper because you can't get complexity as much, but you can get big ripe flavors, and so you do that. Now that the vines have gotten older, let's see if we can get more complex flavors, more interesting flavors by doing some whole cluster by picking it a little bit earlier by making it a little more interesting a um, little higher acid a little more tannin honestly so what was the sugars when you picked these uh 24 1 24 2 i mean not yeah. low not real but low, not but ridiculous yeah, i yeah. mean they're, they're not the the current mm. school this is a classic example of where monterey county had the opportunity to make wines like this a long time ago, but nobody had the courage to do it. Now somebody is finally picking early enough to capture the acidity that's necessary for a wine like this. This is a baby. This is an absolute. This wine is an. It's an eighteen. It needs four more years before it ever really comes into its in its primary moments, and then it'll be holding on for a few years after that. It's just a delicious bottle of wine, but it's going to get much better. And I I agree that more most people do not age their pinots a lot of people think cabernet sauvignon it's got to be bordeaux to to age it but boy if you can put some time on a well-made wine like you've made here adam wow well i think certain things like cab age on their tannin pinot ages a lot of times on its acidity this with the whole cluster has some combination of tannin and acidity and i'm trying to do a little you know honestly i'm screwing things up i am old i am well you're on the right show thank you there you go (laughs) yes i am 56 years old and i should be making wines now that drink earlier and i should have been in younger in my life making wines that age i'm doing just the opposite i used to make wines that drank well younger and uh, now I'm making wines that I want to age longer. But whatever. I, it's not the first thing I've messed up, and it won't be the last. So <laughs> It's California Wine Country brought to you by Bottle Barn. Dan Berger's here, of course. And today it's Tom Simino's turn. And Adam Lee is here, the winemaker at Clarice, mm. formerly of Siduri. It is Clarice. Thank wine you. Company. Wine Company. Wine Company. Good. Mm. Thank you. And you better get it while you can because it's tiny production. Very small. And, and where are you making these wines? So I make exactly. them here in Sonoma County. It's, uh, you know, this is my home. I love going abroad sometimes or different places to get grapes. Not abroad, truly, but different areas. Uh, but I think that um, Sonoma County is my home. It's what I love. So I bring them up here. I make this one at Sugarloaf, the Clarice. And then I make Beaumarchais. Uh, Sugarloaf is across from Oakville or in Oakmont community. And then I make the Beaumarchais wines that we're tasting now up in Healdsburg. Beaumarchais. Beaumarchais, yes. Uh, Sounds good, right? Tom, talk about Beaumarchais. Well, let's explain it. I'd like Adam to, because this is quite complex, very interesting for our listeners. So, Beaumarchais, if you use just the easy explanation, is it simply means in French, uh, kind of loosely, beauty walking. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Pierre Beaumarchais is most famous for having written The Marriage of Figaro. He was a French uh, man in the 1700s, the late 1700s. But what he did, and it's greatly appropriate on uh, this day as far as uh, 
Bastille Day, and then 10 days before this, the, the 4th of July, Pierre Beaumarchais founded a fake company called the Rodrigo Hortelas Company. And the Rodrigo Hortelas Company took a million dollars. Imagine a million dollars in the 1700s. I mean, we're not talking a million dollars now, 100 years ago, from the Spanish government and the French government, and he snuck it over to this colonist to fight against the British. And he basically bought arms and money and all sorts of things over to help the French or help the Americans beat the British and help us all win our freedom. So when we, I partnered up here with a French winemaker, a gentleman named Philippe Camby, one of the leading winemakers in all of France, and said, um, can you help us make Pinot in a different way? And that's why we came up with the name. And you hit it off with this winemaker and uh, decided Philippe you were going to... Philippe is one of the nicest people I know. Philippe is, uh, he makes, he consults with 81 wineries around the world and partners with me. Philippe is, uh, made last year 1,700 point wines. Uh, <laughs> he is an extraordinary winemaker, an extraordinary personality. But I remember one time when he called me up, uh, it was uh, April of 2020, two months after my mom passed away, and he called me up and said, my mom fell and broke her arm. Can you tell me, Adam, how you work and help take care of your parents from a far distance? Because mm, you've done that for a long time. So this is not a guy that's just like, I'm into to making money, I'm into this, I'm into that. He cares about people, he cares about wine. Um, it's the kind of person you want to be a partner with. Wow. Now, are you only dealing with Pinots at this point? Yeah, you know, uh, that's what I love. That's what I'm best at. I figured it out. You know, uh, Steve, it'd be like you doing television. Uh, it might not work as well as you did radio. Nothing Actually, I, I've done... <laughs> Four television shows. In Have my, you really? In my ha- haven't years. you done a movie too, as well? I heard. I've done two movies. You I'm just giving you a hard time. Saying, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be. Steve no, no, Robert. that's good. You can't count your appearance on America's Most Wanted, Steve. <laughs> count. Well, I do, Harry. So. <laughs> You talk to my agent if you have a problem with that. Pino is what I love. Pino is what I want to do. Pino is what I really feel closest to in my heart. Sure. So. And who doesn't love a good Pino? And Tom, tell me why this is such a great Pino. Well, again, I'm enjoying it. Wonderfully complex. It's got more. Ta- the, the, these wines, even though they're in that kind of in the same neighborhood down in the Central Coast, have a have distinct character. The first one, tannins are kind of broad and. Around you. the mouthfeel is terrific. Uh, makes me think uh, more of a French wine, a clean French wine, or something maybe from Oregon. But I wouldn't guess California right off the off the top. I'm onto the second one now, and this one has a very a lot of the same characteristics of the first one. So I'm thinking again, we've got that kind of French connection there, and that really you feeling the same thing there, Dan. As far as I'm, I think the. Soberanus is a little bit more opulent, and I think that's a wine that would be more along the lines of a wine you want to drink sooner, as opposed to the first uh, uh, exposure we had with, I think the Rosellas is a little tighter because of the low lower pH. So therefore, the and, and this is the Club Pepe. Yes, the, you know the Rosella is the Clarisse, and right, this but, the Club Pepe. Now, now we're looking at looking at this last one, this, this third one, this Club Pepe, 
So this is from Santa Rita Hills, and Santa Rita is an ice-cold region. I mean, it's basically, it's very, very risky to plant there unless you know what you're planning on doing with uh, your fruit once it starts to become uh, mature vines. It's really hard to deal with these vines when they're very young because you just don't know what you're going to get. So this wine really is uh, a kind of an outlier in, a, in one respect. This is the best Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir I've ever tasted. Wow. Oh, how about that? Wow. Bingo. To me, that is a statement because it's hard to know how late you can harvest these things and not lose them. And you really were on the edge of, of disaster here before you decided to pick. I have been on the edge of disaster many times <laughs> in my lifetime. But, Amen. Uh, yes, yes, we all live that way sometimes. I think in this particular case, um, what we did was that extra time on the skins, that extra extraction, it balanced out that being on the edge, and it helps make an overall balanced wine. So to give you my down and dirty, this is the Cabernet Sauvignon of Pinot Noir. You know, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking... That's your absolute. You nailed it there because the tannin in in this is dusty. You know, so the finish is Cabernet, but the front when it comes in is Pinot Noir. So it has all that blend fleshy. This is the ten-year Pinot Noir. Yeah, this is the one you, you want to hold on to for ten years. Yep. Whoever gets this bottle to take home, don't drink it right away. <laughs> <laughs> in most cases, when you drink Pinot Noir, you want roast rare roast beef. This one you need the steak for. <laughs> From my point of view, having made Pinot now for 27 years, Philippe has got me to think about Pinot Noir in a different way. Yeah. And honestly, it is not always about each individual wine you produce. It's about how do you approach your life, your job, your whatever you do mentally differently. And can you look at vineyards different? Can you make life more interesting, more exciting, and decide that things are not what you always assume they were they can be different they can be more exciting i love that yeah now so how in, how in the world did you make clarice that way and then make this what's the trick it's a great question and i mean i can get into the technical details of how you do it but really it is putting yourself in a different mindset it is saying that here is what i think this place is and here's what someone else does and putting yourself it's empathy in some weird sort of way that you empathetically look at what is someone else what is philippe thinking about this and how is it done you know you go to chateauneuf de pop where philippe lives where he makes the wine and he says there there are 11 different red grape varieties that are permitted there and he says that grenache is the pinot noir of all of those mm-hmm. that it's more pinot um there was for a long time this study that was done that from the 50s 60s 70s half of the grenache grown in chateauneuf was sold to estates in burgundy and because they needed some bigger, Color. riper yep. flavors, yep. and they did that. That's what they did. So he is not opposed to, like, Pinot, but it's just a different expression of Pinot, and I am trying to channel that with him. Here's the third one. Yeah, so we also have a West section from Clo Pepe, or O-West. We named the French word O-U-E-S-T, and uh, we made this. And this tends to be a little more Sobranus-like, but it ha- it's almost a combination of the two. A little bigger, riper, but then has some backbone as well. Mm. Pushing the envelope like this is very, very risky, but 
you obviously did a brilliant job, and I think the most impressive thing is that there, there's absolutely not a flaw in this bottle. Not a single, I mean, you couldn't pick apart this wine with a fine-tooth comb and find anything negative about it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's still just a baby. And and for me, and Dan, you've been writing about wine forever. I mean, I don't know, longer than I've been making wine, but we have been in this business for a long time. And when someone leads you to think about wine in a different way, whether or not it's a new winery that you discovered, whether or not for me it's a new winemaker you discovered, when someone leads you to look at things differently, that's immeasurable as far as what the worth of that is and that's what philippe has allowed me to do here you were saying that you thought it had that mulled wine kind of character that warm spice it almost feels like it the wine is warm on a cold winter night have this with a nice big you know roast stew of some sort Man, if you were to drink this wine now, the best thing to do would be to put it in a decanter for about three hours before you ever got around to drinking it. Yeah. Because this wine is such a tight little baby, and it's 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 obviously got a huge future. But right now, sitting right here in the studio, tricky to make a full evaluation. But boy, that aroma is just pervading the entire room. And we could all go over to Starks right now <laughs> and have a steak, and it would not, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad combo. You know, the, the, the mouthfeel is really something. Again, finishing Cabernet like and coming in, it, actually, it's coming in almost like a Chateau of the Popper, so it's not really coming in Pinot like this right. one isn't. No, and is you this picked a higher, uh, a little higher share. Just on that side, the west side, it's right into the wind, and it tends to get beaten down, lower crop, and so the sugars get higher yep. a little yep. bit. So, yep. uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is that uh, Marie and I just came back from Chateauneuf, and she, uh, my general manager here, she's interested in uh, making some wine, and Philippe's like, why don't you make some wine in Chateauneuf? So we might be making wine in Chateauneuf this coming. Year. And uh, Marae's going to have her own brand? Is that she's what's got going her own on? label, yeah. Mm, yeah. Hi, Marae. Hi. Well, hello. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it would be my name, Marae Breelin, which is my first and middle name. And starting this year with four tons of Pinot from Green Valley, uh, 114 and 115 clone. Dan and I were talking before the show about um, the different clones and their expressions and what we appreciate about both of them. We learned a lot, of course, in just a few minutes before. And looking forward to the 2021 harvest and beyond. Well, I like this. I do, too. And it, it should be in a decanter. Probably, for a, for I would say, but it, it's, it's a little richer than the previous wine, but it doesn't have any less... Aging, aging potential. I think the aging potential is at least is equal to the all the others. The problem is that most people will buy these wines and drink them, and it's not their fault. It's just they've never been exposed to something with quite the same structure as this. Look, David Ramey does this and has done this for several years with a lot of his wines, and he gets no credit for the wines as they've aged. We, I opened up a 10-year-old David Ramey Syrah the other day, and it was mind-boggling. But that's be, because David is a great winemaker, and he knows what he's doing. Well, this is a great winemaker standing Dan, on the Dan, there are people like Rick Foreman. I go over yeah. and I taste his stuff over in Sensational Napa. Sensational guy. There are people like that, and David is in that category and all that. That You're like, okay, they taste really good early on, but 
you know, then you pull something out of your cellar or you discover something. Occasionally you find something. You're like, oh, crap. I, you know, I lost this for a little while. And you pull it out and, boy, that's, that's fantastic. That's the secret. Don't plan to age them. Just put them in the cellar L- and forget something. them. Yeah. <laughs> you have to educate more people to understand how one, well, the San Francisco school, what was it called, the blind school or something like yeah. that? They, they, they emphasize this. Trying to get people to understand that wine is a living product and it doesn't just die two years after you bought it. Well, and I also believe that we've made it too hard for people. We have said you got to be 55 degrees, you got to do this, you got to do that. And honestly, that's not the case. I would rather have consistent 65 or 70. Look at your closet inside the middle of your home or your whatever toss it in there maybe that 65 or 70 degrees won't make it for 25 years it'll make it for 15 years whatever but find a consistent place in the middle of your home put it in there and um and let that age at a consistent temperature the the worst thing is the it gets too hot and then it gets cold and then it gets hot and then it gets cold that's a problem find a place in the middle of your house yeah and that inside closet yeah, yeah. 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 under the bed today jackson fast, i think you graduated <laughs> because i never would have thought you'd find this wine to be the the best of the bunch we just tasted because it's the biggest of them all and i know you're a chardonnay guy and and for you to come around and say you know You've got a really complex wine here. Good for you, man. Graduation day. (laughs) It is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn every Wednesday in the 5 o'clock hour. Keep in mind, Bottle Barn's open full tilt in-store shopping, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. You can still place an order for curbside pickup at BottleBarn.com. And as we all know, Bottle Barn's been providing for decades... Our area with an unmatched selection of the greatest wines, beers, and spirits. Uh, the best prices anywhere. And uh, these people know what they're talking about, and they're really ready to help. It's the best place to find the most amazing deals in wine country. We always say Bottle Barn is where wine country buys wine. And don't uh, forget that they can uh, ship wine to most states. Go to BottleBarn.com. Get all the details there and find out all the great specials every week. And listen to this program, California Wine Country, every week on The Drive. Brought to you by our dear friends at Bottle Barn. It is California Wine Country. Tom Simino's in with Adam Lee. Hey, Steve, I lose my profitability at Bottle Barn. I mean, I, 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 in all frankness, I, I do well. I've made a lot of money at Bottle Barn, but I lo- or made a lot of money selling wine and all that. But they have but, the best prices anyway. Oh, my gosh. And I buy so much wine from other places and other regions, and all of a sudden I am like, I'm trying to write it off, and my accountant's like, it makes no sense, you know, what you... How how do you you don't make a Chenin Blanc and yet you've got Savonier and I'm like well yeah m- maybe but I still do it so whatever uh, since we haven't let Harry talk all day <laughs> I've just been sitting here drinking I'm okay yes. with that well he's he's in charge of beer on on the on the drive but he loves wine too. I would say that the Tom's comment about warmth was my initial reaction to most of these wines there's a warmth to these mm-hmm. that feels very comfortable in the mouth and it continues down the throat it, it's a it's a very delicious very comforting style of wine yeah yeah they are man